Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and today on the show, um, very, very happy for uh, this episode because we have one of my very dear friends, um, Sophie Steven, uh, on the show. Um, and uh, she's here to talk a little bit about um, the UWM administration and uh, just about a personal experience that she's had with it. Um, that uh, I guess uh, speaks to a much larger systemic problem, and uh, I think that we're going to get into some very important stuff today. So uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. God, I missed yeah, you. Yeah, I got to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, I know. I've missed you a lot. Um, I literally haven't seen her in like six months. I know. We need to hang out more. We do. We need a more movie nights. Um, but how are you? I'm doing a lot better, like mentally and physically. Good. Yeah. Um, Hanging in there. Nice. Well, <laughs> I'm glad. You? I'm great. Um, I'm also like, I'm very driven these days. So like that helps a lot, like day by day. Like it helps me kind of um, cope with my demons a lot more. So like I'll like wake up every day with like, you know, goals that I need to achieve like day by day and stuff, um, which helps still, you know, um, I'm very busy and I, uh, don't, there's a lot of people I miss and that I wish I could see more of, but, um, you know, I, I at the same time, it's like, it's that time of our lives, you know, we're not, we're not in Kansas anymore, as they say. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, we're not kids anymore. Right. So, like, we kind of, you know, everyone kind of goes in their own, like, has been, you know, in their own lanes for a while. And I, so that helps you feel like a little more, a little bit more, like, settled with it. So, yeah. So, um, so with Mr. Nice Guy, as you know, because, uh, I understand you actually watched the show, which I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, uh, so we talk about love and fear and how that manifests through passion and creativity and just lived experience that has shaped us like who we are today. And, um, and you know, I've had like a lot more um, episodes that address like difficult topics when it comes to social justice, when it comes to basically like people that are affected by issues that other people don't understand and just need to listen and hear and be an ally for. And, um, you know, you're a very special person in my life and I have been, uh, That's so sweet. <laughs> I try, but I've been, um, you know, I've been, uh, a companion of yours, like for about a year now, uh, since you like open, opened up about, um, you know, what happened and everything like that. So I guess I'll give you the floor and I guess, uh, if you would uh, be comfortable talking about, I guess, what everything like leading up to, you know, I guess what uh, happened and everything. Um, so I guess I should start at like the beginning. Yes, right? that'd be okay. pretty, yeah. Okay, so like. For the sake of context. Yeah, I, I, should I like preface everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, so when I was 18, I started at uh, UWC, like four hours away. And I got into like my first real relationship, which ended up being abusive. Um, I had no idea what a healthy relationship was, what an abusive relationship was. Um, actually, it wasn't until my high school best friend's older sister, <laughs> so there were like a lot of different levels to this, yeah. shared a one love video, which um, was really oh, yeah. impactful um, because it showed my relationship. Oh, wow. You know, when things were good, they were really good, but mm -hmm. when things were bad, they were terrifying. Yeah. And just because you have good times doesn't mean that it's healthy. Right. And That's so true. That yeah. is so fucking true. <laughs> yeah. And even though, you know, I mean, even just the whole, oh, I fell into a doorknob, like, that doesn't necessarily have to happen. For it to still be abusive mm -hmm. you know there's emotional abuse there's physical abuse there's verbal abuse um there's just a lot of different things that 
how the students just simply don't know because all we've been fed is like Disney rock bands yeah, and yeah. stuff, and then and shitty rom coms from the two thousands, <laughs> which um, are really unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. Beauty and the Beast, really unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> there are some, there are some gems that get thrown in there. Yeah, um, yeah definitely some gems. Yeah, yeah. So basically, what One Love does is they um, really focus on teaching college students about what healthy relationships are, what unhealthy relationships are, and more importantly, how to safely escape those unhealthy relationships. Yeah. Um, so when I was 21, that's when I first started realizing that I was in an abusive relationship um, for three years, which was crazy. So I decided to move home. Um, he followed me, which, you know, okay, I didn't know how to escape yet. I wasn't at that point yeah. yet, yeah. Um, but whatever, you know. I'll figure it out. Yeah. And I was closer to my family, so I'll figure it out with my family. And, um, and, um, yeah, so we ended up breaking up. Um, and I moved back home with my parents. My self esteem was ruined. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Um, my uh, mental health was ruined. And my just everything about my life just completely fell apart because for the last three years, I was an economics major. I was in a relationship with someone that I thought I was going to marry and someone that I thought I was in a healthy relationship with. So it turns out I switched my major. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I moved and moved across state and I learned that I was, I didn't know anything about relationships. Yeah. Learned that I just. You took a 180. Yeah, my entire life just blew up. <laughs> I guess, but I think like kind of going off of that about like what we've been taught about relationships, the fucked up thing is you don't know what an, a healthy versus abusive relationship is unless you've had the latter. Um, I think that, you know, we, unless like you have lived experience with like something that just isn't right, it's like you, it's like you almost sort of like you get blinded by like those good times. You get blinded by the fact that like, well, like I can't imagine my life without this person right now, or like, just like everything else is good, but you know, I'm still like being, you know, made felt like shit all the time. And, and like, I think that even like you might not, that cause you not to be able to like, um, to, identify abuse when you see it or when it happens like it in and you might even deny it for a long time definitely um but um that's i guess why like i think that we should have in like we should have more in the in our like, our like school curriculums growing up just more depictions of like positive and negative like relationship uh, indicators so that, you know, people can identify red flags easier from a young age, from a younger age. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know about your school, but my school started sex ed at three, third grade. Um, it oh. was awesome. I actually, I was had, sixth grade actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No, we, I had a really great sexual education program. Um, and nice. I think we should really start talking, you know, talking about relationships early on because yeah. I mean in a society where 50% of marriages turn into divorce and then which many, is terrifying yeah I mean just for people like us but, yeah. <laughs> but I mean also for children I mean it's hard on the children it's hard on even just family structures besides the family like on the people who have the kids <laughs> yeah right right yeah <laughs> the mother and father yeah exactly um you know and it just it's very strenuous um so i think that we do owe it to our, the next generation to teach them about what a healthy relationship is but um getting back to one love um it was made um in remembrance of yearly love who um she was murdered by it was a kind of blurry relationship. Um, she was, it was an on again, off again relationship mm -hmm. with an abusive boyfriend yeah. who um, they were both on the lacrosse teams at okay. their college. Sure. And um, they both had drank too much that night and he ended up smashing a skull into a wall. 
Yeah. Damn. Holy shit. Yeah, no, so she... At least that's how I interpreted the article. Yeah, no, so she passed away because of abuse. And her mom even said, I didn't know that it was an abusive relationship. I knew what was going on. I didn't know that it was an abusive relationship. I thought they just needed to work through it. Mm -hmm. And her sister now works for One Love. Her mom works for One Love. They started together yeah. and they want to teach students how to have healthy relationships. They want to teach people how to be healthy and they want to teach people how to be safe. They don't want what happened to Yearly to continue mm -hmm. to keep happening. Sure. And yes, her last name was Love. I'm not that I'm not kidding. Her last name yeah. was Love. <laughs> so how did you I guess you start getting involved in One Love? Um so when my um abusive ex-boyfriend and I ended up breaking up and I moved into my parents' house that was September 2017. Um and in October 2017, I began a relationship with another abusive young folk yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I, I don't want to say that I hadn't learned my lesson because abuse is never the victim's fault, it's on the abuser. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when you look at someone with rose-tinted glasses, flags, red flags just look like flags. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're an empath. Right. Yeah. And um, there, you know, when somebody has substance abuse problems that, you know, they're working through or they're recovered from, you want to give them a second chance. And when they're working through something that you may not understand, but they need support, you're going to want to give them a second chance. And mm -hmm. then second chances turn into third chances, and then fourth chances, yeah. and then fifth chances, mm -hmm. and then that's when the screaming matches happen, and then that's when, um, you know, everything just starts to escalate. And one thing that I heard during a TED Talk was, um, if somebody is willing to yell at you, they will scream at you. If someone's willing to scream at you, they will hit you. If someone's willing to hit you, they will smack you. Someone's willing to smack you, they will punch you. Someone's willing to punch you, they will. I can't remember what happened after that, but it was like yeah, an escalation idea, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of abuse. It just, it just, it's a progressive. Right. Um, yeah. And then it ended up with killing, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when things escalate so much and nothing ends, you know? Yeah. And um, so when I in November with um, this new abusive person, um, things just got very, um, I was incapacitated, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I was not sober, um, he was very sober, um, so there was no way that consent could have happened. Um, even if somebody doesn't say no, if someone's drunk, someone's high, someone's not, someone's sleeping, someone's a heavy sleeper, and you can do whatever they want. If they can't say yes, they can't say no, don't do it. Right, yeah. Just, yeah. Come on, guys. Seriously. The thing is, it's like, it, it might come as a, as like a no-brainer slash a, um, something that might be like blatantly obvious. But it's, you wouldn't, if it was, then it wouldn't be so taken advantage of or abused by shitty fucking people, you know? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. People, there was like one study done where um, serial rapists enjoy when people struggle and when people don't have a choice. So that's why when people are incapacitated or, you know, way too drunk to say no, things like that, they get off on it. Yeah. That's scary. I know. Well, that's, it's, I mean, it's also just grossly perverted. Right. Uh, I, I mean, mean, everybody has their kinks, but that's not. Right. And that's I'm, illegal. Right. And yeah. So I, the crazy thing is that it happened in my home, um, which scare me to death. I mean, even to this day, I'm 23 now, um, I still have very huge safety problems. Um, I feel that um, 
people who aren't supposed to know my address will find out my address from people who I text my address to so that they can come and hang over, mm -hmm. um, come and hang out over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm afraid that like people will follow, other, you know, I have like very paranoid thoughts too. Um, yeah. Like I'm afraid somebody will follow me home or somebody will follow my friends over to my place. So I actually, no friends um, besides my family and my boyfriend and two friends from Eau Claire have come over to my apartment. Wow. So no slight at you. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I I don't blame you. I mean, it's yeah. it's you you it can things like that can jeopardize your trust, right? Um, because yeah. it's like you don't, and it's especially it comes in when you know you deal with other like. Uh, comorbid mental health issues like you know you can have a fear of trusting people or getting too close to people or allowing people to occupy your space like because you know you don't know if something's going to go south right and I mean I definitely have like PTSD I think that I still have signs of PTSD I don't know how that works like I don't know if you have PTSD through the rest of your life or if you like work through it it's hard to, it's very hard uh, illness to treat. Um, I think some people can at least like heavily alleviate their symptoms of it, but some people don't. Um, I mean, it's treatable, but I don't know if it's ever like cured. Like, I think that like, you know, you can still have like um, triggers with it, whether yeah. they become less severe or less um, easy to, easily um manifesting but yeah. um yeah so yeah no it's tricky um it's tricky especially when you know you have you know um when you're also trying to treat other things at the same time right <laughs> <laughs> which both you and i can attest to right yeah yeah no so you know i i still have nightmares um i still have other things that I think I've kind of shelved to work through to work through this, and then sometimes I feel like I've shelved this to work through other things. So like I, it's like I don't understand like because it's like I'm not into sex. Like I don't enjoy it unless my partner's into it. Mm -hmm. Like that I'm having like visual or or um, audible or otherwise just like indicators that you know that tell you that your partner is enjoying it and that, right. that, that like they want that they are like desiring you. Um, that's, I mean, that's what, that's why I like sex. That's why I, you know, that's what I, I feel like anyone that's, I feel like that's just the way sex should be. It mm -hmm. shouldn't be about like, yeah, like you said, like people might have their kinks, but they have to be consensual kinks. Right. You know, you, you have yeah. to like be able to like, have a, uh, a mutual like understanding and conversation about what where you draw a line and you know where you can venture to yeah. but <laughs> I just it's like it's sickening because it's like you know it's horrifying to think that like you know I'm to like get off from something that like someone feels like completely violated or powerless against like that's just for one, it's, it's, it's nothing more than sociopathy. Like it's, it's narcissism. It's, it's literal. Like it, it kind of touches on like, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but incels. It, oh, incels, like involuntarily celibate people. Yeah. Like, like I, I've seen like some message board groups from them and they really have like weird rape fantasies. Yeah, but at least some of them. Yeah, do. and and that speaks to like an even like when we talk about like rape fantasies too. Like that speaks to a problem with a lot of porn too. Yeah, that enables that. Yeah, and like porn, like porn is great, but if it if it like blatantly objectifies or you know treats or like you know exhibits some kind of scenario where somebody like is coerced or has no choice or like is like restrained or something like that and like they're forced to like perform sexual acts and 
That's problematic as fuck. <laughs> right. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, some BDSM is, like, really cool. Especially when the actors, yeah. like, in the beginning are like, yeah, no, this is, like, totally consensual. Don't yeah, worry. right. But, and then, like, you know, there's, like, regular porn. But, like, when it gets into that, like, really weird category of helpless woman in the field. Yeah. Gangbang. Right. What's That's like, kind of what's up like it's I like I never I never fucking understood the appeal behind a girl with like four dicks in her face like it's like it's kind of weird it's super fucking weird but like yeah I and actually I had a conversation with somebody recently about BDSM and about how like kind of just um, how, why it's so appealing to some people and I guess like it's a way to sort of re sort of like um, reclaim like past traumas um, in a way that like is like kind of replacing like the, the negative or the like um, or the harmful memories and replace it with like positive experiences with like you know with like self-restraint or with you know bondage or whatever it is like I, I, I think it's interesting because it's like some people are into that for the reason where it's like therapeutic for them. I've never heard of that before. Like that's really interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. Crazy. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. I yeah. There was an article about it too. I can show it to you. But so, um, where so like after you know the horrible thing that happened in November of 2017, what I guess like you know what um. Like, what was the action you took after that? Like, I guess, like, what, like, where did life, like, what did life look like after that? Um, after that, I just kind of wanted to forget everything. Um, it was my first semester at UWM. I immediately fell in love with the campus. I didn't even expect that. I was just kind of like, I just want to finish my degree. I just kind of want to, like, finish my degree, go on, you know, go be yeah. an adult somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> But, I mean, I immediately fell in love with the campus back in September. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you were there, but um, there was an AEPI event. Well, actually, like, a fraternity event where AEPI had, a, like, a booth. You guys were so cool. Oh, yeah. There was, there was something about, like, hot dogs. Shout out to AEPI. Those are my boys. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah. And, like, the thing is, like, you know, is a great campus, but it sadly is inhabited by some very shitty abusive figures that are well, also in the public sphere. I wouldn't say that it's full of them. I would say that there's just more of a diverse campus and there isn't enough education, which is yeah. really what I'm trying to drive into the UWM administration. Um, so mm -hmm. like, um, yeah, I really tried to just ignore it and I tried to keep up as well, but I just couldn't. Um, I saw him, I think he kind of like, learn my schedule um, because he had kind of made some weird comments about another girl um, and where he had memorized a good portion of her schedule um, and so I saw him on campus a lot and I didn't want to go on campus. I didn't want to see him. I was afraid he was going to hurt me. Um, I knew that he had access to a gun and me being the paranoid person I am, but also I knew that if I turned him in, he probably would come after me. That is still a huge fear that I have um, because, mm -hmm. spoiler alert, I did turn him in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, um, in December, he sent me a letter saying that um, he... I'm paraphrasing here. He will always love me. He always loved me. He's sorry that things didn't work out the way that they did. Um, and um, I kind of weirdly ended like that. And it was, it had his wax personal seal. wax seal. Which is <laughs> like. always makes me laugh. Just like, okay. <laughs> it's like, what a tool, but. Um, yeah, he has a wax seal. That's <laughs> just. That's psychopathy. Right yeah, there. he didn't sign his name. He used his wax seal with his initials. Anyway, after that note, and once the semester was over, I looked at my grades. Obviously, I had failed every grade, so I had to go talk to my advisor and say, hey, look, I need to late drop these classes. 
Um, and sitting in her office and she asked, you know, what happened, I just broke down crying. I was like, look, you know, a fan, like a very close friend who was like a brother to us, um, he committed suicide in October. Um, I was sexually assaulted and I just, you know, I've had a really hard time transitioning, you yeah. know, and she was really amazing, you know, I mean, she understood everything and um, the crazy thing is, is that I carried the note with me everywhere. Um, it just, it was like my little reminder to watch my back, Yeah. you know. So I showed it to her and she made a copy of it. And since I told my advisor, she had to report it to the Dean of Students. Um, at the time, so the Dean of Students sent me a letter saying, look, we got, we heard about this. If you want to fill out a form, file a complaint, um, you know, feel free to do so. It's up mm -hmm. to you. Um, at first I said, you know, this is one time. Yeah. <laughs> probably won't bother me again. In February of 2018, he then added me to this really weird, I can't figure out if it was like an anti-Semitic group or just a weird Jewish meme group, but it seemed very anti-Semitic. A really shitty meme group, because I was actually added to it too. Okay, um, yeah. And uh, removed myself shortly thereafter. Um, just, yeah. Um, but, um, so then, uh, clearly it was like he, it was like, it was a sort of like a, a miniature, um, instance of he him not leaving you alone. Right. And that was kind of, that was it. That was when I was like, okay, this guy's not going to leave me alone. I need to do something to protect myself. So, um, actually Facebook messaged him and I said like, what the fuck do you want? Like, you sexually assaulted me. Like, you need to leave me alone. This is crazy. Like, you're not worth my time. You do not deserve to be in my presence. Leave me the fuck alone. And then he blocked me and didn't respond and whatever. But it, I got screenshots. <laughs> and um, so that- He blocked me too, uh, so I couldn't keep tabs on him or anything like that. The weird thing is that like he'll block you and then unblock you and then block you and then unblock you. Well, he knows we're friends. Well, he's, he he's... also like wants to keep tabs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, so that night I filled out the form to send to Dean of Students where you detail everything that happened as much as you can remember. You detail who the person was, who you are, as much as you can remember and screenshots, text messages, um, people who could um, verify your story, um, friends who may have seen abusive behavior, um, people who could have heard fights, um, teachers who could have seen anything weird. I've, I've literally heard of students who have cited teachers. Um, through um, your job? Yeah, at different universities. Um, but yeah, sure, students yeah. have cited teachers. Um, so that process is terrible at UWM. Going through the whole Title IX process is terrible. It will take roughly six months from beginning to end. Um, we, at the time, we only had an interim dean. Um, Dean Rebecca Freer. She's an amazing woman. Um, I don't know why we don't have her anymore. She's, um, like, if you're out there, like, and you see this, like... You're awesome. You're Keep awesome, you. but also, like, you save me. <laughs> and, um... Hopefully she does. Yeah. And, um, she's just... She did the whole investigation. She was incredibly thorough. You have to be interviewed three or four times, you know, to see if there's any change in your story, to see if there's anything conflicting between your story and their story. Um, and then they go through the text messages three or four times, which is crazy. 
And in my case, um, the person had um, introduced 70 pages worth of text messages, every single text message that we ever sent each other. It was really creepy. Wow. Every single person on the panel who was in our hearing, our final hearing, said that was very creepy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's... Yeah, jeez, um, yeah, okay. But once you do make that um, first complaint, and um, in my time frame, it was three months where the um, primary investigator, which happened to be Rebecca Freer, um, she said, um, I do agree that there was some foul play here and there was a sexual assault that happened that night. Um, and I don't want um, these two people in contact. Um, I don't want this person on UWM property. I don't want this person being in contact with Sophie. I don't want this person going to club events with Sophie. Um, you know, like all club events will have to be not with him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not with him. So I would always have to say, Hey, I'm interested in going to this club event. Can you please like make sure he's not right. Yeah. Um, but at that point I was too afraid because he has a gun. He is dangerous. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and he is unstable. So I just kind of hid. <laughs> yeah. um, and that was three months in, so I still had three months to go for my final hearing where um, it's four or five um, of the department heads. So yeah, it's the department heads. And then um, one, I think it has to be a graduate student, but it could also just be an undergrad student, but it has to be one student who sits on the hearing board where um, the UWM investigator presents their case and then the respondent um, who like is the person who did the action, the bad action, um, and then the defendant, yeah, me. <laughs> um, and so since we did have that um, UWM restraining order, um, that expired um, in May of 2018. So now we're way, way, way after the event, way after. And um, I understood that I wasn't gonna be taking um, summer classes and I understood that there was nothing really keeping him from coming to my house because he hand delivered that letter to me in December. Um, he left it at my door, like I wasn't home, so that was fine, but like, well, not fine, but you know, he showed signs of he's willing to come to my house. Yeah. So um, I felt it necessary to go to the Ozaki County Courthouse to um, get a restraining order. So I filed by myself. Um, and immediately once you file, um, they will issue you, um, a, I forget what it's called, but it's like a temporary, um, like a temporary restraining order. Okay, sure. Until your hearing date. So you have two weeks to get, um, the TRO to, um, the person that you're filing against so that they have adequate time to like prepare and get a lawyer if they want to just know that they have to show up in court yeah um if it doesn't happen in the first two weeks you get another two week extension um but after that you have to refile okay um luckily for me um within a month they were able to find him um and then he got a lawyer after an hour <laughs> he only had 20 minutes after an hour because his lawyer was kind of weird um i received my um, like permanent restraining order. Um, so after that, my final hearing with UWM was finalized in sep no October eighth, twenty eighteen. Mm -hmm. So now 
we are 11 months after the event. Yeah. So, me, it was unacceptable. Um, since the first day of classes in 2018, um, fall 2018, um, I had emailed every single dean of students, um, the Title IX coordinator, um, Chancellor Mark Loney, who very rarely will ever respond to student emails, but he does read them, which is really important for this, for the next part. Um, and um, yeah, I emailed a ton of people every single day saying, here's a date, here's a time. It was usually like 6.30 a.m. because, you know, classes. Also, I kind of wanted to wake people up. <laughs> And I was like, I still don't have a hearing. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was like emailing everybody. And, you know, because it was like six months later. Um, yeah. I finally got my hearing. And I was still emailing um, Mark Money, And I was like, look, you need to meet with me. Yeah. Like, this isn't acceptable. We need to work on this. Right. And he refused to meet with me. I was emailing him every day. Basically, I was emailing him every day until like, from September until like the middle of October where he's, he said, it's my understanding you got your hearing. That was it. Really? So I sent him a really horrible email like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is terrible. Um, you need to listen to your students and you need to fix this. This isn't okay. You need to show up for more than PR events. Um, so due to um, just how terrible the Title IX process was um i i didn't really reach out to one love i kind of just kept watching their videos all throughout the summer um and i decided to be a one love campus ambassador um, because they kind of guide you along help working with the administration and mm -hmm. give you kind of points to talk about and how to talk to you and who to talk to <laughs> yeah, sure. which you know i mean i don't I didn't know any of those. I just knew that I needed to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so I started doing that in fall 2018. And honestly, it was like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> you. Um, that, that little uh, wordplay there. That's <laughs> yeah, very nice. And, um, yeah, so. They, once everything was done and completed and he was found culpable for everything um, and he was suspended for two semesters, so he ended up not getting his degree. Despite him walking in June of 20... May. May 20th. May. Yeah. Yeah. May of 2018 um, because they didn't know how the thing was going to work out the case was going to work out. Um, he did not end up graduating until May of 2019. So <laughs> it, there's absolutely no reason for a title on case to ever take six months. And after talking to other people who have gone through the title on case, especially at UWM, roughly it's six months from start to finish. Yeah. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's. It's ridiculous. I mean, I've it's... talked to people from UW Madison who, four months longest, um, UW Eau Claire, three months longest, Minnesota Twin Cities, six months longest. <laughs> so why do you think UWM is take has taken longer? Um, so this is where one love plays in. So um, they really advocated to work with the Title IX, um, well, they said either start with the Dean of Students Office or the Title IX Office. So I emailed the Dean of Students Office and they said um, it would be best to talk to the Title IX Office because um, the Title IX Officer, there's only one for the entire school, which okay. is crazy. So for all of the undergrad, all of the graduate students, all Everybody. <laughs> yeah, sure. There's only one. The whole student body. <laughs> right. Okay. And um, the first one actually left 
during my case. So they hired another one and um, he, very sweet guy, um, I think, yeah, I can't remember his name. And um, he, yeah, he's a very sweet guy. He just seems to be very guarded. Um, so I talked to him a little bit and I said, look, this is taking way too long. Every single answer was answered with, this is public knowledge. We are working towards getting another um, officer, one more officer to take care of mm -hmm. cases for the entire student body. That's not acceptable. Yeah. Um, and he said, that's public knowledge. And then it's, why don't we provide more therapy sessions for students? Because I know in Eau Claire it was only like maximum of five therapy sessions, although they say like you can have as many therapy sessions as you need. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how many there are at UWM that's offered, um, but I think there's a limit to it. I think there's like 10. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. You know, like let's improve on how many therapy sessions because even just past Title IX, students need therapy. Of course. Everybody needs therapy. Like, let's, let's all go to therapy. Yeah, really <laughs> we all need do. therapy. Yeah, <laughs> we fucking do. I need, I owe my therapist a session. Dude, but I, he's on vacation right now, so. Okay, I, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, I agree. So, um, so as. Right, anyway. so, you know, as, as you talk to him more and more, it's, we're looking for more help. This is public knowledge. We don't have the funds for this yet. It's public knowledge. Well, just this past December in 2018, Chancellor Mone got a $60,000 bonus for every single year. And that's lowballing it. Yeah. So why are we paying him an extra $60,000 if he's just sitting on his ass only going to PR sessions? Yeah, and not um, maintaining the sustainability of his students and their mental health and stuff. Right. right yeah. And one of the scary things is that um, um, this is, seems very small, but it's very big um, to me at least. Um, students on it asked um, one of the sub parts of the administration, exactly what kind of salt they use on the walkways. It took roughly two weeks of asking them again and again and again exactly what kind of salt they use. And to me, that's hiding. Yeah. It, it feels like they're hiding something. And I feel very strongly about always having an open door policy. Um, I know that there are sometimes things where you have to keep a closed door for privacy. I mean, we've been doing that the entire time. We mm -hmm. really haven't been leaking any names. Um, there's security. Don't want anybody being beat up. Right. But there are also some times where you can say we are aware of certain things that are going on. we're looking into it and this sounds like I'm calling somebody out and I swear to God I'm not. I've had this conversation with mm. like 10 groups. Yeah. Um, I even had this conversation with the Title IX office because I said you need to tell us that you are looking for an officer because we think you guys are still just working at the Dean's office and the Dean's office is kind of compromised. You have the Dean's office already working with students just because of schoolwork, just because they need help with withdrawing, they need help with dropping classes, things like that. You know, the dean's office isn't something to be afraid of. The dean's office is there for students. Yeah. They don't really talk to the chancellor's office at all. Don't be afraid of Chancellor Mone because he's not going to leave his office. <laughs> but also, um, you know, those generic emails that you get from Chancellor Mone's yeah. office, yeah. that actually comes from his email. You can reply to those and it will go straight to his email box oh, wow. and he will read those and then he has these two, I don't really want to call them secretaries because they do so much more work than that um, and I don't want to call them PR people because they're not, 
So I'm going to call them secretaries. Okay. Um, he has these two secretaries who will respond for him. And they've stopped responding to me because I keep asking the same questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you guys can email him with your questions. You guys can email him with Food your for concerns. Thought. Yeah. You know, I mean, money rules this world. I mean, obviously, he just got a $60,000 raise, and he's been here since 2014. He makes $370,000 a year. Wow. And I'm, you really, you, I'm lowballing it. You really dug up on him, didn't you? I, I'm very not happy with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. So, so, um, and so where did One Love play into this, Ian? One Love kind of guided me into where to go. Okay, sure. And they brought me to safety in my first relationship. They brought me to safety in my second relationship. They brought me into who to talk to to save other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've already gone through so much trauma. There's no reason for somebody else to go through the same amount of trauma from the same person. Yeah. Um, when I opened up to my therapist about it, um, she said that there are serial um, rapists who continue, who get to continue going on doing things because mm-hmm. nobody ever says anything. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to talk about it. Well. It sucks to talk about it, but we need to talk about it. Yeah. So what still happens with, um, with like, uh, um, with what happened with your abuser and like, you know, that he, you got your hearing and everything. So like, where are you with it now? Like, are you still like kind of pursuing legal action with, against him? Or, um, I guess is it kind of like you've done everything you can right now? There's nothing more I can do, really. Um, I have a restraining order for four and a half more years, or three and a half more years. Um, He is not allowed on UWM property um, when I'm on UWM property. Um, No, he's not allowed on UWM property at all, (laughs) even if I'm on UWM property. Um, which I've heard that he's actually going to events and things, so I've been mainly staying on um, online classes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I have my state restraining order. I have, you know, he served his time with UWM with just the two semester suspension. Which. It's means like, nothing. Yeah. He got to loaf around for a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so I guess, like, what is what is everything you felt fucked over by? Um, mostly, I felt fucked over by um, my friends, for the most part. Um, there were a few friends that I opened up to right at the beginning where I said, hey, something's wrong, like something happened, I don't know what to do. I don't know if it was even sexual assault because we were kind of in a relationship. Sure, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, and Which it can by all means still occur even if you're in a relationship. Right, yeah. you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you know the person, whether you don't know the person, whether you're dating, whether you're not dating, whether you're married, whether you're not married, things like yeah. that. If you don't have consent, you don't have consent. Exactly. And, um, you know, there are people that I told that kind of just said, oh yeah, I knew he was creepy, but I didn't think he'd do anything like this, or well, aren't you two dating anyway? Or, oh yeah, he's always been kind of weird. I kind of figured he'd do this. And there were some groups right away that said, we're looking into a problem. And there were some groups right away who didn't say anything Mm -hmm. at all. And some of those groups that was used against me um, in the hearing. Um, And beyond that, just hurting my character, um, that just hurt me like on a personal level. Um, 
So that was like the number one fuck over, but like the number two fuck over was the administration. They just blatantly didn't care. They just wanted to do like the base amount of like job mm-hmm. and um, nobody really cared about getting justice and yeah. I am a very justice driven person. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, and um, they didn't care and I really had to fend for myself. Nobody was really out there looking out for me except for one love. And I know that this sounds really weird, but One Love kind of walked me through everything. It was kind of like a crisis center. Yeah, sure. But not a crisis center. Shout out One Love. Yeah. One Love does great shit. Yeah, no, look them up. You know, feel free to reach out. How do you feel like he was getting protected? Um, he, his parents were able to pay for a, a a lawyer, a lawyer. (laughs) Um, and she was able to, um, I'm not a lawyer. Um, I like to think that I know very much about the law. Um, I was able to win against her, um, for my restraining order in court. Um, and I was able to win against her for my, um, hearing at UWM, but, um, it definitely, she definitely had the upper hand in hurting my character. Um, and what I'm very afraid of is that, um, employers will do like an open records request and be like, oh, it's a little weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, so I think any any decent employer wouldn't do something like that well, to you. But I'd have to look into it, but since it is a restraining order, I don't think that they can do an open records request mm-hmm. um, because I'm not actually listed on okay, it. Okay, sure. Um, and, um, but... It was just really, really brutal and really, really hard to go through. Um, his his parents are just, he comes from a really accomplished family. He was able to go to rehab like four times to like these really, really nice like spa areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that he was able to be protected in a way that my family wasn't able to protect me, yeah. um, even though they did as much as they could. Shout out Sophie's family. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> yeah. My family is the absolute best. Like, mm-hmm. fuck all other families. <laughs> <laughs> Except my family. Except my everyone stuff. else's family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, sure. So, I guess there's two parts to like this last question. So, first, what do you want other victims of assault and victim of victims of, you know, what the the um, shortcomings of like UWM or any other colleges or workplaces administration, what do you want them to know? I want you to know that you're not alone. No matter where you are, no matter what, no matter even if you're in a male-dominated field, no matter if you work in an office where it's just you and you think nobody else has been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed or even made you feel uncomfortable. Everybody. And I mean it like you're not alone. Just open up. Open up to your friends. Open up to your family. Just open up. There's too many, too many of my friends that have had lived experiences of it. Too many to name. So many to the point where I probably don't know all of them. I know as a fact I don't. Right. Um, And a lot of women I know and non-binary people and even men have experiences that they will sometimes never, you'll never know about. Mm -hmm. And a lot of you, the thing is, you know somebody who's lived through it, um, whether you realize it or not. But most, a lot of people don't feel comfortable opening up about it because they feel like it's going to be dismissed or it's not going to be taken seriously or it's not going to be believed or it's otherwise just they won't know if they won't think anyone's going to understand they might not want to draw attention to themselves there's literally so many reasons why they might not open about it but it's it is a it's a plague 
Um, it is an infestation of our, of our um, culture of interpersonal relationships that sexual assault has happened to so many of us. So you're not alone. You're not alone at all. Um, and, um, and I also want to say I'm so proud of you Aww. for <laughs> being so brave through not only like, you know, speaking your story like right here, but for everything you've gone through and everything that you have persevered through, like from getting fucked over in one way or another to standing up for, you know, standing up for what you believe in and just like standing up against the system, against all odds, like that takes immense courage. Like that, like a lot of people would have given up but you didn't, and you still don't. And I, I'm so fucking proud of you for it. Aww. You're in, like you, you inspire me, but I know you're inspiring plenty of other people too. Aww, so sweet. I'm serious, uh, and and like, and like people like you are giving others hope and allowing others to come forward. So. I hope so. I so, just want to save one more person. Good. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah. Exactly. Um, and so I guess the second question is, what do we all need to do better? We need to listen. We don't need to, I think it's up to the administration or the office place or schools to kind of fix the Title IX process. Um, we need to voice our opinions. We need to really push for that. Um, and we need to hold them accountable. But I think on a personal level, what we need to do, like person to person, we just need to listen. We don't need to try and fix other people's prom problems. We don't need to say, I'm gonna go kill this kid, like I'm gonna go beat this kid up. Just sit there and listen, cry with them if they cry, get angry with them if they are angry, validate empathize. their feelings. Yeah, empathize, validate their feelings. Just sit there and listen and let them tell yeah. their truth and believe them. Yeah, belief survivors. There's a reason it's, a, it's been a hashtag for so long. Um, and I also I think a big one is to look inwardly yes. at yourself too, because many of us are not perfect, and we might have done something that has hurt another person. Um, I know there's been times where I have, uh, growing up, like whether it was a friend or a family member or a significant other, I know that I've done, I've done or said shitty things that I am not proud of. But you know, we're human beings, and we make we do shitty things sometimes, but it's about learning from it and, and applying that and like learning from it, but also just holding yourself accountable. Um, I think that all of us need to hold ourselves accountable more. Um, and you do that by looking inwardly and looking at, well, you know, can I do better at this? Or maybe I shouldn't have done this, but you know, I like just acknowledging that like, you know, you can do better is one of the biggest things you can do. So, and I know that I can, uh, I know that I can do always do better. And I can do better and you can do better. We all can. So, okay. <laughs> Sophie, um, God, I seriously love you so much. You are such an amazing soul. Um, thank you for sitting down with me and sharing your piece. Um, so much fun. <laughs> good. I'm glad. Well, hey, I had fun. Well, I'm glad you still got to laugh and smile through everything. Um, so tell me what keeps you up at night. Spiders. Dude. <laughs> fucking spiders. And, and this I'm fucking. I'm also afraid of the dark. <laughs> yeah. Man, spiders in the dark. <laughs> That's like a nightmare. Um, but what puts you to sleep, though? Sarah Quill. Shout out Quetiapine. Yeah. And shout out all meds. Um, but I take mine in the morning. Thank you for being on the show.
Yeah. Um, remember to believe survivors. Remember to share your story with those you trust, but also that, you know, there are resources for you and you're not alone in and the fight. And listen to each other. Listen and look inwardly. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Three, four.